Here you have this guy named Paul in the New Testament. Probably wrote somewhere around two-thirds of the entire New Testament. And uh, Paul was a great pastor. And Paul was a great church planner. All right? He would go out. He would plant churches. He would put them in areas that were really needing uh, some leadership to develop and, and able to fulfill what is considered as the Great Commission, and that is to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ throughout the entire world, throughout the entire universe. And so Paul would go about, he would plant these churches, and then when he would plant them, he would leave, and then he would go plant another church. But while he was there at the present church that he was working on or planting, he would raise up leadership, all right? Understanding that his goal was more of an evangelistic type deal of spreading the gospel and developing leaders within those churches so that those areas that were being ministered to could, excuse me, could continue to be ministered to in an effective way. Have you all ever been a part of something that's not been effective? It's not very fun, is it? No, it gets very mundane. It gets very lackluster. There becomes, what, no vision. There becomes no future for it. And so Paul did not want this to be. He wanted to make sure that when he left, he was putting together leadership that would be able to take that church into the direction that he knew that God was wanting it to go in. So here we have a, a church uh, in a book of the Bible called Galatians, which is uh, named after a church in Galatia, which is considered as modern-day Turkey today. That's where it would be um, Presently, if you had to look on a map, that's where you could understand where it was located. So, Paul raised up this church. He won several hundreds, if not thousands, into the body of Christ through this church. And he set up leadership, and then he went on to go about his business and doing what he felt God was calling him to do. And so, as he goes out, he begins to hear word back, reports back on what is happening with the church in Galatia. Now, here's what I need you guys to understand. And we've been breaking this down throughout this sermon series. And that is there's two different types of gospels. There's a gospel of the law, and then there's a gospel of grace. So you've got the gospel of law, and you've got the gospel of grace. So when Paul left, some of the Jewish Christians who were still of the law, but understood the role that Jesus Christ plays or has played in their life by accepting him, but they were kind of stuck, if, if I can say that, kind of stuck in their old patterns and in their old ways. And one of the ways that they were stuck in was they came to the leadership that was in the Galatian church and said, look, in order for you to truly be the church and to be the, the part of the family, here's what you need to do. All the males in the Jewish custom." within eight days of being born, were circumcised. And the only way that you can be a part of this church, speaking to the males, they had a big church meeting over this, okay, is, guys, you got to be circumcised. Can you imagine how well that meeting went? That's, I, I'm glad that I have to ask for money, okay? All right. I know you're awake anyway, okay? I know you're awake. So week one in the first chapter, what we really looked at was understanding that there is two trees. We see that in the story of creation there in Genesis, that there was two trees. You had the tree of life, and then you had the tree of knowledge of good and evil. 
Many times we swing between those trees. We are all about the knowledge of the good and evil. And many times we forget about the free life that's been given to us through what Jesus Christ had done. And that is through what? Grace. So we looked at that in week one. Week two, we looked at uh, understanding that we need to live the crucified life. In other words, less of us and more of Jesus or more of him. The third week, we looked at living completely in grace. We need to be more graceful. We need to show grace. We need to be gracious. And we need to be willing to understand this. We need to receive grace. It's easy for us to tell people to do it, but sometimes it's extremely difficult for us to receive the grace. We become so burdened and bothersome over what we have done in our past that oftentimes we really ruin the potential that what God wants to do what? In our future. Because of our own problems. Last week we talked about that we are in relationship with God. And knowing that we have a relationship with God as part of his sons and daughters. We are part of the sonship. Understanding that in the Old Testament, we, we, we looked at this briefly. But in the Old Testament we understand that God called Abraham what? A friend. We also see that in Hebrews where that's mentioned, that God called Abraham a friend. And God called Abraham a friend really because of the law. There wasn't grace yet, and there wasn't relationship. It was a, more of a friendship. But then we looked through the scriptures in Galatians, where we understand that we are part of the sonship, or what? The full body of Christ. And so we are part of the family now. So we're not just considered as friends, which we still have that relationship or friendship with God, but we take it a step further, and now we can understand that we are part of the body of Christ. We are sons and daughters of the Most High God. Watch this. You are God's favorites. I'm God's favorites. If that doesn't just brighten your day up, I'm sorry. Goodness. Today, what we're going to do is we're going to talk about, in, in the fifth chapter, living in the Spirit. There's only one way to live, in my opinion, and that is to fully live in the Spirit of God. Right around two months ago, I did a sermon series which I feel has been probably my most impactful throughout all my ministry. And I've been, since 1999, when I graduated from East Coast Bible College, I've been in full-fledged ministry. And we did a sermon series strictly on the Holy Spirit for, I think, four or five weeks. And it was, to me, one of the most eye-opening and most insightful and uh, most gracious and uplifting series. So I, I do want to say this. I'm, I would encourage you to, to, to go to our website, churchbythebeach.org, and you can listen through the podcast, that entire sermon series. But if you ever have wanted to fully have a good understanding and knowledge in the scriptures of what the Holy Spirit is about, take a look at that sermon series or take a listen. It'll be very insightful for you. But today, we're going to dive into Galatians and see what scriptures have to say about living in the Spirit. If we first don't succeed, here's a quote that I want to, I want to share with you for a minute. If we first don't succeed, here's how we do it. We say, let's try out God. Think about that. If we first don't succeed, what is our next resort? Well, let's try out God. 
my whole thinking here is I feel that we need to switch that whole entire thing up completely. Let's take a look. Galatians chapter 5, verses 1 through 9. It's what it says. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. It says to do this, what? Stand firm. What does that mean? That means for us to become bold, strong, not wavering. Scripture goes on to say, then, and do not let yourself be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. In other words, going back to the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Slavery that he is talking about is burdensome. It's trying. It's worrisome. I love this because Paul goes on to say this. He says, mark my words. Now that's confidence. Have you ever had a conversation with someone and they were so confident about what they were saying and I've heard this many times and I've probably said it myself, mark my words on this. What does that usually mean? That means you undoubtedly believe in what you're about to speak. That there's no gray area with it. It is full of truth and nothing else could ever sway that. So watch this. He says, mark my words. I, Paul, tell you that if you let, yourself be, let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. Again, I, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he is obligated to obey the whole law. I, I see that as being sarcastic. And here's why. There's over 600 laws in the Old Testament. If you mess one of them up, you've messed it all up. Think about that. We are so trained in some aspects that we have become so rule and law-oriented that we miss the relationship part. One of the best things that we have ever received through God, through his son Jesus Christ, is the gift of grace. He says this, you who are trying to be justified by the law have been alienated from Christ. In other words, you're going the wrong direction. There's separation here. Uh, you, you are pretty much by yourself in this moment. He says, you have fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit, we eagerly await by faith the righteousness for which we have hope. Do you remember last week we talked a little bit about faith? Faith is this really, it's, it's trusting in. So when we're expressing faith, we're trusting in. Have you ever had the comment where you said, I, I, I have faith in that person? I have faith that they can do that? You're not so much into their ability, but you just believe through the, in truth that they're going to accomplish what they said they're going to do or what they set out to do. All right. Uh, I've got to find myself. Sorry. For in Christ, Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. And he goes on to say this. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. So the law doesn't matter. The rules don't matter. What truly matters here is the love. Whose love? The love of God, the love of the Father. The love because why? We are part of this sonship. What does that mean? We're part of the family. You're not just a friend of God any longer. You're a son and daughter of God. You're the apple of his eye. You are his favorite. He truly cares about you. Every waking moment, his thoughts are centered around you. All right. He goes on to say, you are running a good race. Who cut in on you to keep you from obeying the truth? That kind of persuasion does not come from the one who calls you. In other words, it's not coming from God. 
a little yeast works through the whole batch of dough. In other words, a little bit. It only takes a little bit of the wrong direction to take you completely out of the will and the favor and the purpose that God has for your life. We'll drop down to verse 13, Galatians 5, 13 through 21. He says this, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another, what? Humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Think about that. 600 laws within the Old Testament. And Paul, he says, mark my words on this. What? There's only one thing that you need to do. Only one thing. He goes on to say, love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will what? Be destroyed by what? Each other. We could just stop right there. Just think on that one for a second. Just think on that moment. Just think on that, on that argument that you had, right? Just think on that ill feeling that you had towards somebody. That is what, that's taking us in the wrong direction. I, I said this um, probably about a month ago, maybe a little bit less. I said, when we look at people, we should look at everyone as if they are a 10. That will change your attitude. That will change your perspective. That will change how you will relate to them. You will know that, you know what, not only are you God's favor, but what they are also important to God as well. I find myself with two boys. I have, I have three actually, but two are now home with us. Our seven-year-old and our four-year-old. And man, they fight. They fight. I mean, I saw a new level of fight this week. You know what I'm saying? And, and the, the, the little guy, man, he went up, Caden, and I was sitting right there. I mean, I'm sitting there. It's plain as day. He just comes up and goes, wham, right in his stomach for no reason. Do you know what came up inside of me? It was not God. I wanted to pick him up and just be like, what are you doing? You know, Carter dramatic because I mean he's four it wasn't really that hard you know what I'm saying Carter falls down like he's been knocked out by Mike Tyson <laughs> crying rolling all over the ground I looked at him, I said get up you know I sat him down I said guys you know my anger was really my resentment was centered toward Caden the four-year-old I felt bad for Carter the seven but I knew if I didn't address them both in the same manner, one's going to think it's favoritism over the other. So I sat them both down. And I looked at Carter. I said, well, you obviously did something to cause him to do that to you anyway. <laughs> I, I say that for, for this one really only reason. Is that it doesn't matter how great you live your life and how horrible the next person lives theirs. God loves us all the same. And in his eyes, there's a love and an expression that he gives to all of us that we truly just can't understand. But we need to have what? That faith and that belief that God loves us more than what you could ever fathom within your mind. He loves you more than anyone else on this planet. As I said before, he's your favorite. But Paul goes, Paul rather, goes into a list where the flesh can often take us. And I want to read these to you, and here's where it goes. He goes, the act of flesh, at the act of the flesh, 
I believe I have that for you. Do I not? Okay, good. It says the acts of the flesh are obvious. Watch this. Sexual immorality. Now, stop there. That is any sexual act outside of the marriage between any man and woman. He goes on to say, thank you for that amen. He goes on to say impurity and debauchery. That's a promiscuous living. He goes on to say idolatry. That's anything in your life that you set at center and God is not. Let me, let me throw this out. You know, I, you guys know this pretty much now. I've, I've, I've trained you pretty well on this, I think. That you, when I marry a couple, they go through five to six sessions with me of uh, premarital counseling. And the first thing that we go over and we understand is this. You must seek your number one first before your number two can ever fall into place. And the number one is God. God must always be the center of all of your relationships. God must be the center of your life. Because watch this. If you want to see a fruitful marriage, I guarantee the couple who is living a fruitful marriage is one that is allowing God to be the center of the most importance in that relationship. There's a little help for you if you had an argument. He goes on to say, and witchcraft. That's not just the obvious. That's when we begin to control and try to manipulate people. Have you ever done that one? He goes on to say what? Hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, like I almost had with my son Caden, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy. Watch this. He goes on even to take it further. Drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warned you. As I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, let's take a break there for a minute. I need you to understand something. Instantly, what we do is we read that list and we go, if anyone has done anything like that, because the last part says they will not, in, they will not inherit the kingdom of God, we think automatically they will not go to heaven. I need you to correct you on that for a second. That's not necessarily the, 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 the direction that that is, is going in. What it's saying here is this, because listen, we have all fallen guilty of all of that, or at least some of that in some aspect within our lives. And even as Christ followers, we still fall guilty of those things. Nobody here is perfect. Nobody in this room could look down upon somebody for doing any of this because you yourself have fallen into the same situations. But what that last part is saying is this. You, you will allow yourself to not inherit some of the blessing that God can give to you from the kingdom of God to this earth. In other words, if I fully want to live into the plan and the will and the purpose that God has for my life, I need to understand I need to strive to stay away from such things. But because of the grace of God and the love that Jesus has given me as a believer, because that's what's important here, and as a Christ follower, because of that grace, I can still go to heaven. Now, I love this about Paul. Because in Romans, we see an admission of his sin we see a very transparent moment where he goes, look, I struggle, I have struggled, I am struggling, 
And I'm going to continue to struggle in these things. Watch this. Romans chapter 7, verse 19. He says, I want to do what is good. I just, we'll stop right. Think about that. I want to do, I don't think any of you strive your day to start out doing what is wrong. At least I hope you're not. We all start our day what striving to do what is good. He goes, I want to do what is good, but I don't. Here's an admission. Some of you need to admit this. Your first step of getting over yourself is admitting you got an issue. You've got problems. You're not perfect. Watch this. Your pastor's not perfect. Watch this. He goes on to say, I don't want to do what is wrong. But what do I do? I do it anyway. I've been there. I've done that. He says, I'm probably going to do it again tomorrow. Paul, who wrote most of the New Testament, is admitting he's got a struggle here. But yet God is still using him. Do you not think that even through your own struggle that God still can't use you? Because God can and he will. But we got to understand this. The Holy Spirit wants to come alongside of our lives to help us. So I put together a small list of tension between what the flesh wants or produces and what the spirit wants and produces. You have it in your, your notes there in your handout. Well, at least you have the first part. Then you have a spot where you got to fill in. But it says this, the flesh produces bondage. We, we know this. Jesus came, why? To, to give us freedom, didn't he? Jesus wants, what? The, excuse me, well, the flesh really wants, what? Control. He wants to bring the weight of the world on us. He wants to let us understand that we're in slavery. But here's what the Spirit gives. The Spirit gives freedom. Now, have you ever been... Maybe this has happened to you. Maybe it's not. But have you ever been in line to do something? And I shared this story. Well, actually, not in line. I was at a restaurant a uh, year and a half ago. It was my birthday, right? And I'm um, sitting there in this restaurant, me and my wife. And we're having a great meal. And it's time to, it was time to go ahead and pay for the check. And, you know, I waited around. And the waitress kept coming around. Wanting, you know, do you want anything else? you want anything else? I'm like, no, we're good. I need the check. And she's like, oh, it's been paid for by that couple over there. And it was Pastor John Thorne, right? And, and it was free. Well, in the moment, I was like, and I said this before, I was like, man, I should have got a better steak than that. You know, I should have got the whole surf and turf. We're going to do this thing right. Shouldn't we still have the same thought when it comes to Jesus with the freedom that he has given us? I got so excited over I didn't have to pay for that meal. But yet we get so used to this thing called grace that we just overshoot it in our lives. And it really, it begins to what? Lose value. We need to be reminded of what Jesus Christ did for us so that we can understand the value that we have through grace. That awesome gift that we have been given. Flesh produces doubt. You know, when we begin to doubt, we can understand that it is our flesh trying to contradict what the Spirit produces, and that is what? Faith. When we begin to doubt, we understand that our flesh is trying to take control. I, I remember me coming to Shingatig. I only heard of Shingatig 
Oh, by the way, the Combs are with us. Isn't that great? And the reason I say that is because, well, their family's here too. One of their daughters here. And I remember uh, in, in Teen Talent, they'd sung and won. And that's how I knew of Shingatig. And then one of my friends from college, Paul Mears, and then Stephen Linscombe, uh, you know, that's how I knew of Shingatig. And, but I never thought Shingatig would be a part of my life. You know what I mean? And uh, I remember when the opportunity came to me to come to Shingatig, I was going through a really dark time, and I really didn't know what I wanted. I didn't really didn't know what God wanted either. You know, I was coming out of some situations, and, and uh, God was just opening a door for me. And, but, you know, in my, in, inwardly, I was nervous. I'm not going to lie. You know, I didn't know anybody. I, I, you know, I, I tried to talk to this pastor on the phone, and that, I needed an interpreter, you know. <laughs> How is this guy going to bless my life when I can't understand him? Trust me, you learn to decipher the language. You learn to learn it. My first phrase I never understood is common. I would be like, you know, I don't get that, you know, but whatever. But I remember, and, and, you know, talking to my parents about it, and my mom is my huge spiritual advisor. You know, she's my, she's my rock, I guess you could say. She keeps me grounded. My dad's there. He's there to correct me usually. My mom's there to butter it up. You know what I mean? And uh, she's like, Kevin, this is an opportunity God's open for you, and you just need to reach out, and you need to go for it. And man, I did. And did I not make the most perfect choice? Amen? And um, I, I say that because, you know what, God's plan is always better. We don't always understand how God has to open doors and get us in situations that we should be in, usually because we've put ourselves in some pretty bad situations and God has had to intervene through some discipline that we don't always like, but there's always a purpose behind it. And he's always leading us from what point A to point B, getting us back what into his will, into his plan and what he has. I say that because you know what? Doubt comes into our minds to try to pull us away from what God wants. But we can understand, but living in the spirit we can live and understand that faith is trusting God's plan. And God's plan is always better. Flesh produces religion. Uh, we will learn, we will lean rather toward religion to try and feel right about ourselves. You ever done that? Where we try to feel right about what we've done. We go, well, if, you know, if, if people only knew what I was going through, that's why I'm involved in these activities. You know, well, I, I understand I'm no better than you. I understand. I understand what's led you into some things. I've been there. I understand the heartache. I understand the loss. I understand the anger and the confusion. I get it. But oftentimes what happens is we become so dependent upon religion that we lose focus on what is next, and that's relationship. If my relationship with my family was strictly upon rules, do's and don'ts, and what you can and what you can't do, same thing with my sons. And look, sometimes I looked at my wife the other day, and I, after that whole incident happened, you know, I saw like, man, I, I, I feel bad. I don't want my kids thinking we're all, all just about rules and regulations. I want them to understand there's relationship. But you know, when we do what we ought to do, we will do what we want to do. 
when we start doing the things and understanding what this grace is about, it becomes easy for us to live according to what the scripture says, what we should and should not do. My message is not geared around forget about the law and forget about what the scriptures say you can and cannot do. No, you need to understand the relationship is the most important thing first. Because if all you're doing is changing on the outside and not changing on the inside, you're wasting your time and effort. The change must happen here and then watch, it happens here. So we understand that flesh produces religion, but the spirit produces relationship. And then lastly, on this one here, we understand that the flesh produces legalism. Understanding that even in the spiritual way, we become legalistic or we could become high-minded. You know, Jesus came to fight that type of thinking. He came to the religious leaders in that day to try to bring change to their way of thinking so that when they taught, they taught a message of grace and love. Knowing that when you are living right, then you're going to do what is right. So how do we live in this spirit? How do we do that? Watch this, Galatians 5, 22 through 26. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is what? Love, joy, peace, forbearance, which is meaning patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. In other words, if we can live there and allow the Spirit to give that kind of fruit in our lives, then there is no need for any kind of law. Because when what we ought to do becomes what we want to do. It goes on to say, those who belong to Christ Jesus have what crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying, envying each other. So again, how do we live by the Spirit? Really quick, number one, it requires me to see. You cannot go anywhere without first being able to see. You cannot walk through the dark. That would not be safe for us. I love it because, watch this, light always beats dark. Always. Always. Scripture tells us that we are what the light of the world, the salt for this earth, Right? We, we, we have something different about us. We understand in, in uh, 1 Thessalonians, I, I think somewhere around chapter 3 or chapter 4, verse 6, somewhere in that vicinity, it talks that the will of God for your life is to be what? Holy. Now that word holy seems really like overbearing. Really, God, you want me to be holy? I, you just gave me a list of things I shouldn't do, and God, I do those things. I'm involved in some of those activities. But yet, Lord, you still used Paul, because we saw in Romans where he says, my desire is that I don't live that way. And I don't want to do those things, but I do it anyway. But yet God still uses him. So we see that the will of God for our life is to be holy. But what is the definition of holy? Simply this, really easy to be different. To be different from what? Different from this world. If society looks at you and they don't see a difference between them and you, then we have an issue. The Bible tells us that we are the salt of this earth. We are the light of this world, right? We are to shine. We are to what? Take the gospel and win people to Christ. 
How can we do that if we're not living that holy life or what? Being different. Psalms 119.105 says this, you, your word is a lamp for my feet and a light on my path. Light is no match for darkness. So if we're going to walk in the spirit, we must know how to see. And in order to do that, we have to have what? God's word. Speaking scripture over our circumstances. God, what? God, I trust in you. Watch this. I have several scriptures. Uh, 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5. I don't think I gave you this. All right. 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5. And I have three separate ones here. It says this. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, see, I don't know what maybe you're going through in life. You need to listen to these scriptures for a moment. These are scriptures that are uplifting. These are scriptures that allow you to understand who you are in Christ. The weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. I don't know what kind of strongholds you're going through, but you can understand this. What you have been equipped with will demolish any stronghold that the enemy tries to bring upon you. We demolish arguments. And every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive what? Every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Ephesians 6 and 12. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the power of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Know this. The problem that you are having with that person is not truly with that person. That problem is with the enemy who's trying to distract you to ruin the relationship that you have with God. Psalms 121 and 8. He, Lord, will match, will watch, excuse me, over your coming and going. What? Both now and forevermore. What does that mean? God is watching over me. God is watching over your life. He has not forgotten about you because you've messed up in that list of sin that we read in Galatians. He has not given up on you. He has not thrown up his hands and said, I can't do any more with them. He has not done what we do with many people and go, I'll wash my hands of this situation. You are what? The apple of his eye. You are of the sonship. You are his favorite. So if we're going to walk in the spirit, number two, it requires me to listen. God's word is only beneficial if we're listening to it. God's word is not a rule book to follow, but rather what? A voice to hear. What is the Holy Spirit trying to say to us? Um, Reverend Crowley, many of you know him. Some of you don't. He was uh, one of our general overseers within the church of God. He's from Shinkatig, and he's a great pastor, a great overseer within the organization, and he, he lived here and grew up here, and he retired here, and so while I was here, I got to know this great man, and I've said this story several times to you guys, but I would often go over to his house to go talk with him, but the problem was I never really talked. I would sit there in his garage. It'd be 120 degrees. And I knew it before I got there. But I knew what was going to come out of his mouth 
was gold nuggets of wisdom and knowledge that one day I would refer to so that I could use that. And watch this. He knew what he was doing. He knew that he was pouring out into a young man who needed him to pour out. And he was never thought-provoking in a sense of asking me questions. I never went with an agenda. I would go, he would be sitting there looking at the water. I would go over, get a chair, unfold it, sit next to him for about 45 minutes to an hour until I was soaking, dripping wet most of the time or freezing cold, all right? And, and just listen intently, trying to grasp everything that I possibly could. Why? Because I knew what he was going to say was something that would be awesome and that I could look back again in my life and use it to better myself. I sit there, I think about that, and we have that awesome opportunity every day of our lives through God's word and through prayer to sit back and go, God, speak to me today. Pour into me today. What is it you want to communicate to me today? What am I doing wrong, Lord? Help me. Watch it. What am I doing right? Uplift me. Lord, Holy Spirit, speak to me. Isaiah chapter 30, 21 says, Whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, This is the way, walk in it. And then lastly, as I come to my close on my last point, if we're going to walk in the Spirit, number three, it requires me to follow. Have you ever had somebody come to you for advice? Hey, that's exciting. Wow, I am not singing. I promise you. That's why they're up here and I'm right there. You know, sometimes I think about poor Winnie. She has to hear me blaring over here. And I get, poor thing, poor thing. But, you know, number three, the Holy Spirit, listening, living in that spirit, requires me to follow. So, to get back to my spot there, have you ever had somebody come to you for advice and then you give it to them and you think it's really good, good stuff, right? You think it's really good, sound advice and next thing you know, they don't, they don't take your advice and they go on and it gets kind of frustrating. So they come to you again and they ask for some advice. So you give it to them again and then you see the pattern of their life going the same exact way and it gets frustrating. That's the life of a pastor, let me tell you. But you've done it in your own lives, in your family. If you've got children, I trust me, you've done it. Close friendships, you've done it. It gets frustrating. It gets to the point where what you're giving has no more value because they've devalued it. You can't devalue God's word. You'll never devalue God's word. You might get tired of giving advice to that person. And next time they come to you, you might even get as so rude to say, why does it matter? You're not going to do it anyway. We've done that, haven't we? When advice is given to us, we need to follow. God's word, the Holy Spirit, begins to speak and to lead you want to live a successful life. You want to live a life that feels good. You want to live a life that's wholesome. You want to live a life when you wake up the next day, you're like, good morning, Holy Spirit.
good morning, Father. What are we getting into today? Start taking his advice. Watch your life change. Sometimes the advice is really hard. I get it. Sometimes we got to cut relationships. Sometimes we need to move locations. Sometimes we need to cut jobs. Sometimes you need to do things that make you uncomfortable and take you out of the box. But I promise you, I would rather live uncomfortably for God than comfortably for this world. Amen? Because I guarantee you, it's eventually going to get me what? Into the perfect will and plan that God has for us. Watch this. My last scripture. James 1, says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Do what it says. I'm never alone. The spirit is always with me. Stand with me this morning. Hope you guys have enjoyed yourself, but you know what? There comes a time where the challenge has been set before us today. And I would like to think that we're all here living the spirit life, living in the spirit of God, allowing the Holy Spirit to lead and to guide us. But there could be some of you here today who don't know who Jesus Christ is as your Lord and Savior. Before you can live in the spirit, you must accept the Son, for God so loved the world, greatest scripture of all time, that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever, no matter how rotten they are, because you were, no matter how awful, because you were, but whoever what? Believes in him. Wow. That's all it says. Believes in him will have everlasting life. Today, with every head bowed, every eye closed, I want to ask this question. If you don't know who Jesus Christ is as your Lord and Savior, today's the day of salvation. Today's the day that you can, this can all change. If that's you in this room today, all I want you to do is just slip up your hand. I see the hand. I see the hand. If that is you today, I want you to slip up that hand. excellent. Let's pray this prayer as a congregation boldly with one another. Jesus, I love you. I ask today that you forgive me my sins. I'm sorry for the way I've been, but now, Lord, I ask you to change me and to make me who you want me to be. From this day forward, I will serve you and only you. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we give the Lord a hand clap of praise? Amen. Amen. Okay, but we're not done though because I talked about living in the spirit and we haven't even touched that. I want to live in the spirit. I read those scriptures in Galatians and, and I said, yep, Pastor Kevin has had a problem there. 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 I'm not going to give you too many, okay? And I say that because I know you have too. 
And, and these situations, these issues rise up and we all wanna start our day and going, you know what, I wanna live, I don't wanna do that stuff anymore. I'm tired of it. I'm tired of the guilt, the shame, the worry, the frustrations. I'm tired of all of that. And I wanna live in the spirit. I wanna completely live in the freedom that Jesus talks about all throughout the scriptures that Paul wrote about. I don't wanna be bound by the law anymore. I wanna do what I ought to do because what I ought to do will become what I want to do. I want this thing to be right. And I hope you want it to be right in your life. So every, everybody's looking at this one here. If that's you today and you can say, Pastor, I want to live in the spirit. This day moving forward, I want to live more in the spirit than I've ever lived before. I want to be holy as the word tells me that is the will for my life. I want to be different. I want to see people to see a difference in me. If that's you, raise your hand. Keep it up. Father, we love you. You see every uplifted hand in this room. You see the hands, Lord, that aren't even lifted, that want to be lifted. But God, most importantly, Lord, you see the heart. You see the conscience. You see the spirit in each one of us that says, Lord, we want to live in your spirit. So God, forgive us of our sin. Forgive us of our wrongdoings. May we be pure in your sight again. Help us to see you. Help us to listen and help us to follow what you are telling us to do, God. Help us, Lord, to take the advice that you have given each one of us to live out your scriptures, to allow your grace to be impactful in our lives so that we can extend grace to others. May we see people, Lord, as a 10. May we see people, Lord, as you see them. May we see ourselves, Lord, as you see us, God. May we, we may not always understand your plan, but we know, Lord, that you're the author of the plan. And Lord, everything that you author is perfect. So God, may we live out what you have instilled, what you have willed, what you have planned out, what you have given in direction for our lives. So God, we love you this day. We praise you. We worship you. As we leave this place, Lord, may we leave changed, inspired, and filled of your spirit. God, let every word that comes from our mouth, the meditations of our hearts, be acceptable in your sight, Father. And every gift, tithing, and offering given to you, may it continue to grow your kingdom. In Jesus' name. And the church says, amen and amen. We love you.